How many people have currently having your heads messed with just by that very thought there? Love God and do whatever you please. Well, you're going to be glad you're here. We're talking over the next three weeks, the idea that God's will is whatever. And uh, it's my intention to mess with your head. But there's something beyond that. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you want to know and want to do God's will for your life? How many of you? Okay. Okay, great. Correct answer. (laughs) And I love that. We've been advertising this conversation for the last few weeks. And I would say I've had an unprecedented number of you come up to me or ping me on on, uh, online or whatever and just say, you know, I'm really, really looking forward to this uh, teaching and learning about God's will. And I, because they want, you're saying, I want to, I want to know God's will and I want to do God's will. And as a, a, as a church leader, one of the most exciting and fulfilling and satisfying things that you can ever have is people who understand that there's more to life than just aimlessly kicking the can down the road. That God's actually got an assignment. He's actually got some things he wants us to do. And it's only in the discovery and the doing of those things that we're going to have ultimate sense of fulfillment and purpose. And we're going to teach over these next three weeks about God's will. And, and, and my prayer, and I believe it's actually God's intention, that in this year that we really feel God's promised us is going to be a breakthrough year, that he will actually answer some questions for you and answer some questions for you in a way that will actually lead to some freedom. How many would like a little bit more freedom in your life? How many think like just the idea of feeling free to follow God, free to be who he's called you to be and do what he's called you to do is a good thing. It's absolutely God's best for us. And uh, we're going to do a little, you know, a little bit of a different style, uh, particularly this morning, a bit more of a teaching style. So if you haven't already... Grab something to write on, write with a, a, a smart device or a, a um, pen and paper. Grab that now and uh, let's get into this. I'm going to need a, a couple of volunteers. Now, Stewie, you were begging me last week to be a volunteer. So come on up. We need you. And uh, Peter, you did such a good job on Australia Day. Have you got your shoes on today? Have you got your shoes on? Now, kick them off. We want some traditional Zimbabwean footwear up here. No, no shoes. Stewie, Peter, Peter Darangwe, come on up. Come, 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 come on. Quick, 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 quick. Here, you can stand there, Stewie. All right. Good job. It's good that people like to volunteer. You don't have to, you don't have to coerce them or anything. All right, you stand there. All right, don't move. How many of you guys have, uh, have come across this uh, product from the Jelly Belly Jelly Bean Company called Bean Boozled? It's been out for about a year. Called Bean Boozled. Now, Jelly Belly Company, they're the company when you go to the cinema, they've got the Jelly Bellies. They're different, different, uh, you know, colors and flavors, and they taste, uh, apparently, I've, I haven't had them, but taste remarkably like the real thing. A watermelon, oh, it tastes, wow, it tastes like watermelon. Who knew? And uh, so on and so forth. Um, I remember growing up, the only ones that taste like they looked were the black ones, right? But Things have developed along, you know, since I grew up alongside Fred Flintstone. And uh, the Jelly Belly Company, their latest iteration is this product called Bean Boozled. And they've taken a little bit of a spin on their traditional flavors. They've got their traditional flavors in here. 
uh, to sort of match the color of the bean. Um, but they've also got some, uh, I guess you might say, like the, um, what's, the what's the opposite of... Uh, of, of uh, Superman, Bizarro Superman, for those of you into Marvel comics. They've got this kind of parallel universe of flavors. So, for example, the red ones, you might get strawberry jam, but you might get centipede. Uh, you might get berry blue, but you might get toothpaste. You might get chocolate pudding, but then again, you might, if you take a brown one, get canned dog food. You might get peach, you might get vomit, you just don't know until you put it in your mouth and chomp down. You might get caramel corn, but you might get moldy cheese. You might get buttered popcorn, but you might get rotten egg. You just don't know. You might get juicy pear, or you might get booger. Uh, You might get coconut, but you might get baby wipes. So uh, look, as the instructions say, there's only one way to find out. So look, hmm, let's, let's, ah, yeah, I know. Look, what what a wonderful coincidence that the top ones were the orange ones. So look, you take an orange one, all right? That might be peach, but it might be vomit, all right? You don't know. Don't, don't eat it yet. I know you're dying to know. Don't eat it yet. Look, uh, yeah? is it orange? Well, I don't know. Actually, it might be red. It might be red. So it might be... Okay, I'll go in. I'll go in. I'm all in. All right, I'll do this as well. It might be strawberry jam, but it might be centipede. All right, ready? Okay, on three. One... Two, three. Centipede! Ah, so gross. What'd you get? Centipede. How do you know? I've never had one before. It's magnificent. What did you get? You've had centipede before. On the, on the savannas of Zimbabwe. All we had, my family and I growing up to eat was centipede. No? No. You got peach? Peach, oh, yeah. I think we have... No, that's rubbish. You haven't, I don't want a short channel to rip you off, Peter. I don't, let's, let's go again. Okay, I think this is green. So this is either juicy pear or booger. Now, the sad thing is, we all know what booger tastes like because that's what boys do. And I'm not talking about just when you were little. Oh, sorry, wait, wait, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, okay. Are you in? One, two, three. What'd you get? Pear. Pear, pear. Booger! Yes! Thank you, gentlemen. Fantastic. Well done. And have a seat. <laughs> Love that. Hmm. And I reckon we might be able to make this packet last three weeks. I'll never get tired of this message illustration. <laughs> What's interesting to me, though, is that's actually how some people view God's will. That God's will is either pear or it's booger. (laughs) The book that I've uh, used to inform a lot of what we're going to be teaching over this next three weeks is this book here by Jerry Sitzer, The Will of God as a Way of Life. And of course, I'm not going to be able to cover everything he's taught in his book in just three weeks, and I have no intention to try. So... Very much what I'm going to be doing over these three weeks is, is putting out some big rocks. And I would strongly encourage you to get this book and fill in what will still be a lot of blanks. Okay, Because it's actually not my job to teach you all you need to know. It's my job to give you a leg up. And we, as we mature, learn to feed ourselves. 
And if this is a big topic for you, if this is a big ticket item for you for this year, then, then don't just come for three weeks and think that you're going to have the whole landscape painted out. You really won't. Um, I wonder, like being boozled, if this is how some of you, particularly if you've been around church for a while or growing up in church, I wonder if this is how some of you, uh, through no fault of your own, and, and I understand this, might have actually been taught and might even today be sitting here this morning thinking this is how God's will works. Let me read one of the early parts of Jerry's book. Just to, He says, Convention teaches us that the will of God consists of a specific pathway we should follow into the future. How many have, have been taught that and you think that that's God's will, that his will is, is a specific pathway that you need to follow to the future? Is anyone thinking that that's the dealio? All right, well, you're going to be really screwed in your minds over the next few weeks, but I believe freed. God knows what this pathway is, and he's laid it out for us to follow. Our responsibility is to discover this pathway, God's plan for our lives. Unfortunately, it's not always obvious. If anything, it's often ambiguous. Well, duh. We must figure out which of the many pathways we could follow is the one we should follow, the one God has planned for us. And if when we make the right choice, we'll receive his favor, fulfill our divine destiny, and succeed in life. When a decision has to be made, everything suddenly becomes like a maze. We believe there's only one way out, and all the other ways are dead ends, every one of them a bad choice. We believe that God knows the right way because he has, after all, willed it for us. And we must discover what that will is. The consequences of our choices are therefore weighty. If we choose rightly, we'll experience his blessing and achieve success and happiness. And if we choose wrongly, we may lose our way, miss God's will for our lives, and remain lost forever in an incomprehensible maze. See, some of you, this is what you've been taught. This is what you're thinking. God's will is hit and miss. As a result, we pray for guidance, we look for signs, we seek advice, we read the Bible for insight and we search our hearts. We wait in the hope that God will give us a clear signal. We think that a voice from heaven would be nice. That that moment finally arrives, however, when we must choose. We must select one college among many for which we've applied. We must accept or decline a job offer. We must marry or get out of the relationship. We must take one pathway, turning away from all others. Meanwhile, a nagging question hovers in the back of our minds. What if we make a wrong decision? It's a lot of pressure. If you think that's how God's will operates, that God's out to boozle you, You're either going to get strawberry jam, which is God's will, or you're going to make a bad choice, and for the rest of your life, you're going to be eating centipede. That's a lot of pressure, right? I'm putting it to you this morning that that's not how God's will operates, that God's will is more whatever. Because when you study the Bible, 
it's very apparent that God actually wants us to know and do his will. And if it's, it's just kind of logical reasoning that if God wants us to ultimately do his will, why in the world would he try to hide it from us? To bean boozle us. Oh, is she the right one to marry? <laughs> You'll never know until you marry her. <laughs> and get back from the honeymoon. <laughs> and after a year, you know whether or not you've made the right choice or you've been boozled. That's not far-fetched. How many of you have been taught that there's one woman... Or one man on this earth that God's will is for you to marry. How many have ever been taught that? That there's the one. The one. And the same way that you've just been taught that. Let me, let me maybe cover that one off early, shall we? Because think about that. If Max, if God for God... God's will for Max was to marry Sally. Sally was the one. And let's say for whatever reason, Max didn't marry Sally. He, he kind of misunderstood God's will and accidentally married Kelly. Not only has Max screwed up his own life because he's missed God's will, because instead of marrying Sally, who was the one... He married Kelly, which wasn't the one. So he's, not only is he now out of God's will, both Sally and Kelly are now out of God's will. Because Sally was meant to marry Max, but Kelly was meant to marry somebody else. So not only is Max's life out of the will of God, so is Sally's, so is Kelly's, so is the guy that was meant to marry Kelly. And if the guy that was meant to marry Kelly, because he can't marry Kelly anymore, goes and marries Beryl. Bloody Max has knocked the earth off its axis for five people and every generation to follow. Because he didn't marry the one. But maybe, just maybe, that's not how God's will works. Maybe God's will is whatever. I appreciate, though, that you can't do God's will until you first know God's will, right? So, let's go into kind of lecture theater mode. And let me unpack a bit of a model that I hope is going to really help us better understand God's will. Uh, this is not an art class. Um, at its most broadest sense, um, the will of God cannot often be referred to as the works of God. And this idea, the works of God, uh, theologians use the word the sovereign will of God. Okay? The sovereign will of God refers to things that God intends to do and doesn't need our participation at any point in the process. He's going to do them whether we like it or not, 
Whether we agree or not, and even whether we participate or not, he's going to do them. He's not going to form a committee. By the way, nor do we, because we like to actually get things done. He's, going, he's not going to take a vote. He's not going to try and pass a bill through the Senate. There's certain things, God's works, under this idea of the sovereign will of God, that God's just going to get his business done. Things like creation. God decided he was going to create the heavens and the earth and all that was in it, male and female. He just decided he was going to do it and he got about and did it. And we had nothing to do with it. We couldn't have stopped it if we tried and he didn't need our help along the way. It was his sovereign will. The works of God, they're going to happen regardless. Things like Jesus' birth. Jesus' birth was going to happen whether we participated in it or not. If Mary hadn't said yes, God would have found, I'm sure, someone else. Thankfully, Mary did say yes. Good pattern for all of us to follow. But Jesus' birth was just something that God said, I'm going to do it. This is a work I'm going to do. Jesus' death, same thing. It was one of the things that was so difficult for his disciples at the time to understand. Why, you know, even Jesus had a little bit of a God, if this can be some other way. And God's like, no, this is, it has to be this way. And I'm going to get this done. And I'm going to get it done with or without your participation. These are the works of God, okay? We live inside the works of God, but we don't have any control over the works of God. When we start to talk even a bit more specific about the will of God within the works of God, they're the ways of God. The ways of God, these are the sorts of things that most people have access to. Okay? The Ten Commandments, given back through Moses to the, to the uh, people of uh, Israel, just as relevant to us today. These are the ways of God. This is God saying to us, to all of his people, this is how I want you all to live. This is, this is my will for all of us. And it's often referred to as God's general will. Okay, Things like God saying, I want you to love one another. That's not a specific thing for just a select few. That's general for all of us. It's God's ways, God's will for all of us. To be generous, to be forgiving. God's ways are all written in this book, the Bible. And so they're always clear. They're not always easy, but they're always clear. It's always clear that we're meant to be generous on all occasions. It's always clear. It's not always easy, but it's always clear. When someone's wronged you, when someone's got, in, got, got into you, what are you supposed to do? It's very clear. God's ways are that you should forgive them. And again, it's not for a select few, those with the gift of forgiving. These are God's ways that we're all to lean into. God's general will, the ways of God. And so whenever anybody says to me, I just don't know what to do, I say, here, read this. It'll, 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 it'll tell you what to do. It'll tell you what to do in the general whilst you're seeking further clarity in the specifics, right? Let me read something else from the will of God as a way of life. I'll put it on the screen. You can read along with me. Something that Jerry Sitzer wrote. We can always do the will of God as we know it in the present moment 
however we are confused we are about the future. We can study hard, even though we may be unsure about our vocational direction. We can solve problems now that will equip us to solve bigger ones later on. We can meet needs that will prepare us for new opportunities of service in the future that might involve a great deal more responsibility. These last two sentences, these are the takeaways. The simple commitments of everyday life lay a foundation for what is to come. The more diligent and faithful we are now, the greater our capacity to do the will of God later on. We've got to understand God's ways and do God's ways as a starting point for ultimately zeroing in on the will of God. Because within God's ways is God's will. And this is what people ask me as a church leader when they ask me, Mark, I really want to know God's will for my life. I know this. This is what they're asking. I want to know the bullseye. I want to know the specifics. And typically it's questions like what, where, and when. Right? What job am I meant to take? Where am I meant to go to university? When am I meant to ask my boss for a raise? These are the specifics. These are the stuff to do with the specific will of God. And these are the things that people actually get pretty tangled up about. And I'm not sure God is as concerned about that stuff as we are. I do believe that God has specific assignments for certain people at certain times. Peter referenced Jonah. We taught about Jonah late last year. You can listen to the, the podcast. Jonah, uh, God had called Jonah to go to a place called Nineveh to do a specific assignment. Jonah didn't want to go. Jonah, instead of going across land to Nineveh, which would have been the shortest way, Jonah decided to get on a ship to go in the opposite direction to run away. He says to God, I'm not going to Nineveh. And God says, yes, you are. He says, no, I'm not. I'm getting on a boat. He goes, no, you're not. You're getting off the boat. You're getting inside a big fish. And that big fish is going to spit you out back where you started. And Jonah goes, well, come on, God. Is there a plan B? Yeah, there's a plan B. You're going to Nineveh. There is a specific assignment for certain people. There's a specific assignment for us at certain times and seasons in our lives. Absolutely. But some of the stuff that we get tied up in knots about, the what, the where, and the when, God isn't as concerned about some of that stuff as we are. And here's a leading thought that Paul wrote, one of the, the, the early church heavyweights, wrote to a, a, a local church in a place called Colossae. It's actually the same place when we just finished talking for five weeks at the start of this year about the new rules of resolution. The exact same letter that Paul wrote to that church, he continued on. And one of the things that he said in the continuation of that letter is he said this, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, 
giving thanks to God the Father through him. My question, and what I want to put to you today as we set up this conversation around the idea of God's will is what if there were better questions to answer or better questions to ask, I should say, than what, where, and when. That there's actually some more important questions to put at the front of the queue. Questions that actually speak, first of all, to the ways of God. If we understand that, and start asking these questions. Questions like, how? Why? Questions like, who? How am I meant to conduct myself in the job that I have? As a question we ask long before, what job should I have? Because you can have the right job and be the wrong person and be outside of the ways of God and therefore outside of the will of God. Why? Why am I going to study at university at all? You've got to answer those sorts of questions. It's to actually make a greater contribution to society regardless of the course of study that I have. And I'm not saying that the, the course of study is unimportant. I'm not saying that the type of job is unimportant. What I am saying is they're not the starting point of finding out God's specific will. The starting point before we start to ask what, where, and when is to first ask how, why, who. Who am I becoming before I get married to make me a better spouse to the person that I eventually marry? Who am I becoming in the marriage rather than what on earth did I marry this person for? Augustine said, love God and do whatever you please. (laughs) There is a comma at the end of that. You'll be happy to know. In the rest of the sentence, he said, for the soul trained in love to God will do nothing to offend the one who is beloved. This reflects the exact same thought that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae. Whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do, do it submitted to God. Whatever you do, do it in the ways of God. This here. This area, the ways of God, God's general will, the bottom line is simply this. For God's general will to God's specific will is when you walk in God's ways, you're always in his will. Does that sound like freedom to anybody here this morning? When you walk in God's ways, you're always in his will. Yes, in his general will and may not yet have discovered his specific will, but there's a rest. There's a peace. There's a contentment. There's a... To know that when you walk 
in God's ways, you're always in his will. Let me put it a different way. Let's suppose, okay, friends of ours, they're over here for a month. They've been here leading worship the last couple of weeks, Tim and Tanya. They're from uh, the East Coast. They've never been to to Perth for any length of time. And uh, so they're kind of navigating their way around. And uh, let's suppose they said to me, Mark, uh, uh, tomorrow we're going to go for a little day trip down south. We're thinking of going down to Mandra. How do we get there? I say to them, it's really easy. Get on the Kwanana Freeway and get off when you see the sign saying to Mandra. Right? Is that pretty much what you tell them? It's pretty simple, right? Pretty uncomplicated, right? Let's suppose they said to me, Okay, Mark, that's good. Okay, let me write that down. Let me write that down. Uh, Quinana Freeway. Yep, yep. Uh, take exit signs when I see Mandura. Yep, got it. Yep, cool. All right, great. Now, Mark, uh, which lane shall we travel in when we go down there? What do you think I'm going to say to that? I'm going to say, whatever. Oh. You mean I could choose any lane that I want and I'll still get to Mandra? Yeah. Providing you're on the Quinana Freeway. Oh. Any, any lane, yeah, whatever. That's liberating. And on the left lane, the middle lane, the right, yeah, sure, yep, whatever. Well, how fast should I travel? I don't care. Whatever. Just go forward. Make sure you're on Quinana Freeway, but as far as the speed, Whatever. It's exactly how it is with God. He first calls us to walk in his ways. And within his ways, he doesn't really care what lane we're in. He's first and foremost concerned that we're walking in his ways. God's priority is to get us to walk in his ways. Because walking in God's ways is the pathway to discovering God's Specific will. In God wants us to discover his will even more than we do. He's not out to being us. Jerry Sitzer, and this is maybe the last quote. Uh, I was tempted to just sit here for three weeks and read the book to you. You know, it's like amazing. He said this, we, who we choose to become. And how we choose to live every day creates a trajectory for everything else. It doesn't answer everything else, but it creates a trajectory. You want to get to Mandra, get on the Quinana Freeway. That will create the trajectory for arriving ultimately in Mandra. Perhaps that's why the Bible says so little about God's will for tomorrow and so much about what we should do to fulfill his will today. The bottom line is, when you walk in God's ways, you're always in his will. We spend a lot of time trying to get God to show us his concealed will while he's spending a whole lot of time trying to get us to obey his revealed will. But as we obey his revealed will, he will lead us into his concealed will. And next week, I'm going to teach about some of the filters 
that we can use to zero in on God's specific will, okay? We're going to get to that next week. And as I said, I'm not going to cover off everything in three weeks. It's not possible. It's not responsible. But we are going to talk about that next week. But the first step in moving towards the specific is being obedient in the general. Within God's ways, he doesn't care what lane you're in, whatever. Sometimes we see other, others around us who seem to be going further faster than we are. And God says, don't worry about it. Just keep moving forward. Whatever. You will get there. Just whatever. Trust me. Submit your ways to my ways and do whatever. Love me and do whatever. It's flipping liberating. One of my life verses is something from the wisdom of Solomon. And we teach in, in principles and patterns here at Elevate. Okay, I, No one nugget is going to be the, you know, the, the ring of you know, truth or whatever obscure Lord of the Rings analogy I could work into this message. It, it, life doesn't work that way. An effective life is based on principles and patterns that are outlined in God's word. And as you learn God's ways, you start to see there's a whole lot of overlap. You'll read something somewhere and you think, that says something pretty similar to this over here. Uh, yeah, maybe it was a different human author, but the same di- divinely inspired word from God. And so Paul said, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do it all submitted to his ways. Do it all in the context of obedience to his ways. Solomon, same idea, different words. One of my life passages. He said, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. Or you could put another word in there. In all of your ways, submit to him. In all of your ways, do your ways based on his ways. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And what will he promise to do? Make your path straight. Another way? He promises that as we acknowledge, as we submit, as we choose to be obedient and walk in his ways, he will lead us and make our paths straight. He's not out to bamboozle you. That's, that's got to be some of the best news you're ever going to hear. He wants you, he wants us to know his will even more than we do. He wouldn't be hiding something that he wants us to ultimately do. But the starting place for finding his concealed will is walking in the ways of his revealed will. Starting with questions like how, why, and who. And trusting that as we continue to walk in his ways, he'll lead us into some of the specifics of the what, of the where, and the when. Knowing that, hey, if you're not married yet, the good news is, God's got more than just one potential candidate. Yeah, there's some bozos he probably doesn't want you to marry. If you don't know exactly what job God wants you to do, it, 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 it's, it's possible that there isn't just one job 
that you can fulfill his will in and be fulfilled in the process. If you're asking, how do I approach my job? Why am I actually working in the first place? To earn a wage that God can provide through me, through my work, for my family. Fantastic. You have some of these questions clear. We get clearer as we continue to move into God's will. And we're going to talk a bit about that next week. Hey, last question I want to ask you. Pete talked about next steps earlier. We've been talking this morning about walking in God's ways. The most important thing, the most important pattern, the most important decision about how we walk that God actually asks of each of us is the question, first of all, for us, whether we're following Jesus or not. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Follow him. Submit to him. Get in his slipstream. Get in relationship with him. Do what he says. Follow his voice. Put your feet one step behind his. Some of you maybe, some of you haven't made that decision. And your next step of getting into God's ways is actually to, to make a decision to follow Jesus. And you've been relying on your own understanding. You have been doing life your own way. And, and we're not here to judge you because we were all there, there ourselves at some point in our lives. And our invitation to you this morning is to actually join. I made this decision when I was 21, is to actually make a decision to follow Jesus, to make a decision to, 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 to line your ways up with his ways, starting by following him, placing your trust in him. And those of you that have never made that decision, we're giving you that opportunity right here, right now. And all I want you to do in a moment is just put your hand up. And putting your hand up, you're acknowledging really to God that you're making that decision, saying, yeah, that's me. I, I need to start following. I need to stop relying on my own understanding. Stop doing life my way and start doing life your way and start following you. So if you've never made that decision, just slip your hand up now. Make that your decision. Make that your next step. Make the, that you're going to put your ways in his ways. When, when you put your hand up, you can put it down. Who needs to make that decision this morning? Okay, Elevate, we're going to keep trusting that God's going to use us. We're going to keep committing to take what God's doing in our lives and actually make sure we're investing into the lives of others and see him use us to have other people make that decision. Very good.